Here's the Sledge on Radio 3. Good morning, it's Thursday. Join us on Facebook Live if you have a few moments and a coffee going. Hang out for the next half an hour or so as we say hi to Steve Vines. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, it's sunny. It's not, well, it will be. It's the time of the year I'm now. I'm not talking we... about the political situation, oh. <laughs> I'm talking about the weather. I'll tell you what, I want to chuck something in here, and you get to this when you want to, Steve. Everything's going yeah. swimmingly, and yesterday it had to happen. We find out there's something wrong with the bubble wrap on BioNTech or something like that. Anyway, yeah, take that where you yeah. will. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, it's very tempting to, to spend a long time talking about vaccines, yeah. because, to be honest, that's what people are talking about. But just for a little change yet... I thought we might talk, well, we might, we, obviously we'll get on to that, but I thought we might just um, begin by talking about this cultural revolution, Mark II, that's sweeping through Hong Kong. Um, the latest news, in fact, uh, as of yesterday, we, we, we've learned that, that um, the uh, new West Kowloon um, M Plus art gallery yep. has been forced to take out a... Uh, a picture by I, the, the distant artist Ai Weiwei. I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to um, think that process through, do you? Yeah, I mean, but what is quite interesting about this, and there's many aspects of this which are interesting, is that yet again, this followed a campaign in the two communist newspapers. And almost as night follows day, they launched these campaigns targeting individuals, targeting institutions, and within nanoseconds, yeah. the government collapses and does whatever it is they want them to do. Now, in this case, um, they have not only objected to a particular picture in the exhibition, uh -huh. which is clearly political. It's a finger no being pointed in the direction of Tiananmen Square. But the poor dears are so ignorant, they don't actually know that it's part of a series of pictures by Ai Weiwei with fingers pointed at national symbols, if you like, in a number of countries. Yeah. It's not just in China. But, you know, that the, although they are some of the world's most profound art critics, they don't actually seem to be aware of this. They've also taken objection to the fact that in the collection is a, a, an enormous donation by um, a Swiss national called Uli Sig, oh, yeah. who is one of the most, possibly the most, famous collector of contemporary Chinese art. And the objection to Mr. Sig appears to be, get this, that he's foreign. So in breaking news, somebody from Switzerland is indeed a foreigner. I, 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 I can now confirm this from my own research. Then you have the, the whole business about... Um, well, they could always say, oh, no, thank you, surely, to the, to the lot. Who can say that? Well, they've already got the collection. No, I mean, what I'm saying is if, if, if the, you know, I, know, I hear you, it's massive, it's, it's no, priceless. No, it so if there's an objection, just say, no, thanks, keep it. Uh, thank you for offering, but yeah, keep right. it. No, I'm yeah, serious. Right. <laughs> well, well, the fact of the matter is they've got the, the, that, that, that they've curated the, the works that he's donated. I mean, yeah. it was a very donation, venture. But now they're saying, I mean, this is how the cultural revolution works. They now have some anonymous artists, oh, and the Hong Kong public won't accept nudes. They've got nudes being depicted. The idea that Hong nudes appear in art, yeah. I have to say, I was, I was amazed to learn that. 
But thank Unless you, it's Ai Weiwei nude, of course, Steve, which then we might be talking about he's something big, else. He's a big, he's a big fella. He's <laughs> yeah. a canvas. Go on, go on. But, but my point is this, my point is this, is once you get going down this road, and remember, they score victories by the mile. So they objected to certain books being in public libraries. They were removed. They objected to the Hong Kong story as depicted in the Hong Kong Museum for um, mentioning that Hong Kong had been a British colony over the years and it hadn't all been appalling during that time. And the, and the exhibit was totally... The museum was shut and the um, exhibition of Hong Kong history, the, the, the chronology, if you like, mm. was changed. So, I mean, they're scoring at every level. They, they launch an objection and the willing hands who are very willing. And now we hear from my favorite person, the chief executive in name, only the Sino, saying, oh, this is all very worrying. We, well, you know, if we see art which contradicts the security um, needs of the nation, we will definitely take action. Mm. I would just neatly point out that, that criticism comes under the basic law and is dealt with in the basic law under Article 23, which guarantees freedom of expression. I don't know if that article has actually been removed from the basic law yet. It hadn't last time I looked. Mm. But as the CNO always reminds us, is that these freedoms are absolute, but, but, but. Yeah. What is scary about this is not, you know, is one one work of art by I will remove from exhibition. You may say, well, well you know, there's plenty of others. Well, he loves the people. He loves the fact that people are squabbling about his stuff. Doesn't he say it's integral to the artistic process and all that sort of stuff? Well, I, you know, my, my, my view is, um, is there's always a danger when the state gets involved in being the main, the number one art critic. But of course, this is what was the hallmark of the Cultural Revolution in the 60s. You remember what Mao Zedong said in a famous speech in 1942, is that there is no such thing as art that doesn't serve the people. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing that, uh, uh, as art which is neutral. And then you had another very interesting speech given by President Xi Jinping to um, people in the entertainment industry on the mainland, in which he elaborated all these old Maoist ideas and basically said that art must serve the people. This is the old Mao slogan again. So what we're seeing here is a very chilling reminder of the Cultural Revolution. You may say, oh, well, the fate of artists, writers, filmmakers, yeah, you know, it's only a few people. But this is what they always say. There's only a few people going off to jail. There's only a few people. It's always only a few people until they come for you, of course. Mm -hmm. So I take this very seriously. I find that um, every, uh, I find, I mean, it's a matter of record, that every single authoritarian regime concerns itself with the artistic life of the nation because it's part of their DNA to want control over everything. 
And it's part of their DNA to be intolerant. It's really interesting, Steve, that, you know, over, over lots and lots of years, very famous artists and composers, if they've been alive in a time of turmoil or big change, they will have put lots of little Easter eggs in their work. I mean, without going off on a massive tangent, you think of the Russian composer Shostakovich. He hid loads of messages inside his work, didn't I, he? I was going to say, I mean, Shostakovich is, is the classic example of this, is he not? Um, he was a man, I mean, it's very interesting. Shostakovich is very interesting Great because music. he was a man, unlike some other Soviet artists who did not leave the Soviet Union, who thought that he could find a way of working with Stalin. And as you say, he inserted in his, and was indeed a favorite composer of Stalin for a long time. <laughs> and found a way of inserting in his music um, what, what, what you're talking about. These are, these are uh, um, indications of dissidence. Mind you, the party picked up on them pretty damn quickly. Well, yeah. And if you remember, um, the later works of Shostakovich were banned in the Soviet Union. So it's a pattern. There's nothing new. There's nothing novel. I mean, in the Nazi area, they were concerned with what they called Aryan art and all other art was, was, was not allowed. In the Soviet Union and in China, they talk about art as socialist realism, so it should be depicting the interest, and let's laugh at these words because they don't really apply anymore, but it should be depicted as um, reflecting the interests of the proletariat and the struggling masses. Whether the Chinese Communist Party still believes in the proletariat and the struggling masses, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. The fact of the matter is that when you have a regime that, that is so all-embracing in its determination to control things, you get what you get. We thought in Hong Kong that as part of one country, two systems, we would be excluded from that. Well, I mean, I'm sounding like a broken record here. The idea that that is true today in, in 2021 mm. is, is for the birds. It really is. Mm. Well, it's, it's interesting before we move on, so, that, you know, you bring up the thing about the music. <laughs> what Shostakovich did is he, he buried little motifs based on notes, da, 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 whatever it might be. And, of course, the letters for those notes yeah. had messages yeah. of their own. And he must have done it brilliantly well, eh? Well, he did, except, as I say, I mean, the party's very good at spotting this stuff. They're not slouches at finding <laughs> dissidents. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's, Shostakovich is a tragic story, as, as everybody who, who knows anything about the composer will tell you. I mean, he, he had this illusion of being able to work with a regime that was totally intolerant of creative freedom. And he discovered, while. as everybody <laughs> has discovered, yeah. that that just doesn't, just doesn't work. Well, good morning to Alvin, who says, and Led Zeppelin still being accused of Satan worshipping, go figure, hashtag stairway to heaven. Point being that surely the point <laughs> of art since way back when has to get people, has been not just to go, oh, that's lovely. It has been to deliver a very strong message to those it's meant to be delivered to and to, to rattle cages. Yes. I mean, this is why art figures so prominently in most religions. Um, well, that's not quite true. I mean, Many. both Judaism and Islam don't allow depictions of um, sacred people yeah. like God. But, but Christianity has always been very keen, very keen 
on using art to promote the Christian message. It's very interesting. And Buddhism also, with its proliferation of statues, has seen art as playing a major role in creating the all-encompassing presence of, of the religion. It's a very good point, which I hadn't really been thinking of before, but it's so it's not just in the political sphere. Yeah. It, it, there's a very long history. And, of course, if you go back to previous civilizations, you, you take, take the Roman period when Rome was dominant in Europe, one of the big things that, that the Romans did as they <laughs> rampaged in Europe... Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to make the Monty Python yeah, joke. No, that's fantastic, isn't it? Go on. You're sir. ahead of me now. <laughs> but one of the things they did was that, that wherever they went, they created structures that imitated exactly what existed in Rome. So they were saying, not only have we conquered you physically, but we're conquering you culturally. You know, your buildings have to look like our buildings. It, was, it wasn't a subtle message. Yeah. Yeah, so back to where I started with this one, I just get the impression that this is more than a backhanded compliment to Ai Weiwei himself as an artist in his head. If you think about it, it's really getting people going. I've never been inside Ai Weiwei's head, so I don't know what I, goes on I in hear there. You. But... Steve, five minutes before the news, can I chuck in a totally different topic or would you rather wait for some uh, Facebook, Facebook comments afterwards? All, all right, look, I want to say hello to Colin. Um, he's talking about... Um, collecting signatures for support for the, you know, um, electoral yeah. re revamp. It says, Hong Kong residents have shown unstoppable support for Beijing's plan to overhaul unstoppable in commerce uh, for the city's electoral system. Who are the 2.3 million that signed the petition, says Colin? I was never asked. What would happen if the Democrats did the same? Well, we kind of know, Colin. <laughs> Steve. We, we do know because when people queued up to join the primary election, to select candidates for the Democratic camp, we discovered that they were engaged in acts of subversion and they're now on trial for these very serious offences under the national security law. Mm. So they're claiming that 2.3 million people, that's an extraordinary number of people, have signed this petition. Yeah. And I've seen the stalls. Indeed, I've made it my business. You've seen one. To, to, well, I've seen quite a few of them. Okay. And what is notable about all these stores, be they in Central, I saw one the other day in Daiwai, which is not obviously in Central, I've seen other ones in Kuantong, is, oh, that's right, practically nobody's standing outside them other than the people who are with their clipboards trying to get people to go and sign the petition. Now, what's interesting about this is if there really have been so many millions of people signing this petition... They must have been very quick. They must have been very quick and very invisible. So some of them did it online, and we know what happens with online petitions. They um, have a have a have a way of being, um, shall I say, manipulated. But anyway, Effective. look, if, if they want, if they have persuaded themselves, they by which I mean the the usual suspects have persuaded themselves that two point three million people have signed this petition. Good luck to them. What's the practical use of these doorstepping surveys? Um, sorry, carry on. Yeah. Oh, sorry. There is a marvellous... Um, uh, well, well, it's not a caveat. There's a marvellous addition to this. So we just heard a statement from the ruling party in Zimbabwe saying that um, they fully support China's plans for electoral reform in um, in Hong Kong, and to that end, they resolutely deplore foreign meddling yep. 
in the internal affairs of Hong Kong. Now, hang about. Zimbabwe, isn't that a foreign country? This is a bit like Meghan Markle going on television to say that she wants to preserve her her privacy and then goes by <laughs> by, by having a, a major TV interview. I mean, you know, this. I, I mean, it's it's kind of farcical, but this is a farce. I mean, how do I know about the um, Zimbabwe intervention in the internal affairs of Hong Kong? It's because Xinhua publicised it quite extensively. So did we. It's in our news. <laughs> well, well, well done. Well done. <laughs> Does it sort of things? Things very much go into the sort of whatever car- uh, category, I suppose. Oh. That's what that's what you're good. saying. Anyway, my question before. Sorry, I interrupted you. My question yes. was, in general, these kind of uh, what do we call it? Vox <coughs> pop kind of street stall gathering signatures things. You know, you want to go and what? Well, what are you going to do with these? What's the actual purpose of these things? So the actual purpose of these things is 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 very similar in every single authoritarian regime you've ever come across, is where you have imposed something new. You've got to you've got to present the idea that somehow this responds to the public will. This is why they hold elections in North Korea and come out with ninety nine point nine percent people vote for the ruling party in Korea. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's total nonsense. But you know, once you once you're on a propaganda roll, that everything you do emanates from the demands of the masses, the demands of the people. You then have to sort of contrive all these various means of, of proving that rather nebulous point. So, yeah. two point three, two point four. Hey, I'm going for two point six people. 2.6 million people signed the petition. Why not? I just wonder if anybody sort of knows. I'm interested in the practicality of this. You make a big hoo-ha about collecting squillions of signatures, and even the people they're, consi- uh, they're, they're sort of being uh, collected on behalf of, you know, here you have your big wedge of signatures, and you hand it to whoever, and they go, oh, well, well thanks for that, basically. What else can they well, say? Well, I mean, the point is that they don't subject themselves to the reality check. The reality check would be, do you know anybody who signed this? I don't. Ah. Yeah, Sit tight, going to chuck a quickie in before we go to the news from Bright, who says, more money to help students in China but not help Hong Kong people and more job creation and manufacturing in Hong Kong. You know what he's going on about, Steve. We're going to be back in uh, just a little while. If you want to get in touch, morningbrew at rthk.hk and we are on Facebook Live. So let's do this. Well, we just got a couple more comments there. Your thing about stalls and people being there and invisible and going like the flash obviously uh, caught Walter's attention. He just says, Steve hardly can see anybody come up to sign at these stalls. Questionable number, he says. The whole thing, I'm assuming you mean, Walter. Yeah. Well, as I say, I mean, you, you, the, the reality check is always reality. So, um, you know... Let, let them pluck a figure out of the air and say this is the, the level of public support. Let's um, move on. Oh, go on. Ha, I was going to say, let's move on to the biggie. Let's move on to needles in arms, shall we? Do we? So here we go. Hong Kong has now vaccinated. It's very hard to tell because the uh, figures are not quite clear. But something between 5 and 6% of the adult population against COVID, which incidentally, and this is a little publicised figure, is roughly the same level of vaccination in the mainland itself, which mm. I think people assumed was much higher than, than the Hong Kong level, but apparently it isn't. So something like 
6% possibly of the adult population has been um, inoculated. This means that the prospects of Hong Kong getting anywhere close to normal this year, I would say a, a nil. It also means, and this is where things normal. get very bizarre, yep. is the Hong Kong government is still saying that they have to impose all of the restrictions which are currently in force until the, the virus has been completely eradicated. Now, practically every other government on the planet has realized that complete eradication of the virus is not a viable proposition. It just isn't going to happen. It's going to be something that's going to be with us and hopefully under control. That's the key point, hopefully under control. So we have a totally unrealistic target, which is um, portrayed by the government. And you've got this ludicrous situation now because of their absolute insistence on politicizing the um, vaccination program mm -hmm. of trying to cast doubts on the only other vaccine that's available other than a Chinese-made vaccine, which is... The this is either a horrendous coincidence, Steve, or you may have a point. Well, at the moment, vaccinations uh, using BioNTech have been suspended. The cause of the suspension is that one batch, the packaging of one batch, had problems with the lids. Actually, I think it's quite reasonable that, that, that they need to look into this and they need to rectify this. That's not a problem. Right. But one batch with lid problems, look at the Sinovac record. Well, that's Nine deaths, people are multiple, multiple um, after effects of a serious nature requiring hospitalization. I mean, you know, it's not like with like. Now, the government has already declared that anybody who suffers an after effect of a Sinovac um, infection, very quickly they say that's nothing to do with the vaccination. Are people believing this? Well, obviously they're not because people are coming forward, sorry, people are ceasing to come forward who had already registered mm -hmm. for vaccination because there's a lack of trust and confidence. And the government does nothing by so rapidly declaring every time there's a problem with the vaccine, oh, it's nothing to do with the vaccine. Now, it may still be the case exactly. that that vaccine is perfectly all right, may be the case, but we're still giving people a vaccine that hasn't been approved by the World Health organization for use we're still de dealing with a vaccine which as i say is the least effective of any of the vaccines in the market at the moment mm -hmm. with an efficacy rate of 50 to 60 percent and in hong kong we're using this vaccine to inoculate people over the age of 60 which in the mainland is not allowed so something ain't right here well, it's very confusing let's put it that way I mean, there's no two ways about that. Then you, have, then you have this case. And again, it's in the communist newspapers. They targeted a doctor who had been recommending um, his patients to use the BioNTech. When I say targeted, I mean targeted, you know, great big exposés in, I think it was um, Dagong Bao, of uh, a doctor who said to his patients, I recommend that you take BioNTech, not Sinovac. What's happened? After 
he was targeted in the communist papers, the government struck him off the list of approved doctors to supply the vaccine. And yet again, they say, politics, nothing to do with this. We're going on the science. Well, that that plaintive cry is becoming less and less credible as, as night follows day. Then we have this total, I don't know what to call it, total um, blah, blah, blah about the quarantine business. Now, as you remember, when quarantine for incoming uh, arrivals began in Hong Kong, it was largely confined to (coughs) people from um, certain types of countries which tended to be associated with darker skins. Now that it's universal, you find that a lot of people who are going into this three-week quarantine mm-hmm. when they come back to Hong Kong or travelling to Hong bananas. Kong <laughs> are going bananas and they come from, you know, the approved lifts of countries where people don't have darker skins. Mm-hmm. So the government's suddenly paying attention, going, oh, goodness me, oh, right, we better pay attention to that. I don't know how that's going to come out in the wash, but the fact of the matter is <coughs> that the draconian quarantine programme, which was introduced largely because the Sino and and the other Muppets were terrified of being criticised by Beijing of not uh, adopting a warlike attitude towards combating the virus, Mm -hmm. is now falling apart. It's falling apart, not in operation, because it's giving a lifeline to a number of hotels who have managed to fill up with quarantine victims. But it's, it's falling apart in the essential uh, in, in the essential way that it's giving Hong Kong a bad reputation and, of course, it seems to have very, very little to do with the science. So yours was two weeks when you got banged up, Steve, and that was probably pretty tough. And I think anybody who's done this will say it's a stretch, even the most hardy of people. They'll say it's a stretch, but three weeks, I mean, I know a couple of people that have done the it. People, and they are... The people like me who went into quarantine were on a different oh, regime. Sure, you weren't travelling. No, no, we weren't travelling. We went in under a court order, which is, you know, it's a serious business. If you defy the court order, you can end up in jail. And we didn't go to uh, hotels. We were all sent off to this Quarries Bay. Uh, I think a room's a room after a while, Steve. Say again? I said I think a room, I think four square walls, a room is a room after a while. It could be the Mandarin or it could be Penny's Bay. If you're jammed in there, you know. You're, you're right. It's not pleasant for anybody. Um, it's just rather more Spartan in Penn's Bay. Yeah. The, uh, the conditions there are, Sorry, how can I put it, not pleasant. But, you know, yeah. you know. Uh, but, but I think that the problem here is that, that of course, you quarantine is part of the regime to combat the virus. Yep. Everybody knows that. Absolutely. But to make it an acceptable part of the regime, I think quarantine needs to be made more acceptable. I don't know why that's so difficult. The problem is when you let bureaucrats have total control, even if it's just for two weeks over people's lives, they do what's most convenient for them, not what's most convenient for the victims. So it's most convenient for them that it's the most restrictive regime possible because it's less less trouble. The bureaucrats. I've got a vaccine-related message here from Nige on our Facebook page. I'm going to read it word for word um, so I don't get it wrong. He says, local news reported that a private doctor in Central is giving out Sinovac to non 
Hong Kong residents from across the border. When asked whether they will get vaccinated, they said they will use the exemption visa to come to Hong Kong if BioNTech is offered. Yes, I saw that report as well. I mean, first of all, it should be pointed out that the whole point of the government's vaccination program is it's only for residents of Hong Kong. So it's already illegal to be offering vaccines to people from the mainland or, or indeed from anywhere else outside of Hong Kong itself. I didn't read this, Steve. So is he saying that the doctor's playing fly or is, or, or is the point here that people from across the border want to have no, that? No, I think the doctor fix- has, been, um, has been hauled up for this. Okay. As I understand it, I, I, I don't want to go further than my understanding, but it is that he, he has been called out for this. Whether he's facing prosecution, I, I don't know that end of the story. But the thing, the final bit says, you know, people will use the exemption visa to come to Hong Kong if BioNTech is offered. Are they saying they trust that more? Is that, I don't, I haven't read the story. I, I presume that's exactly what he's saying. Okay. And then we come, and I was actually going to get around to this anyway. Then we come to this sheer madness. The government wants to impose quarantines. It wants to impose these draconian social distancing rules and blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, it's saying the first thing we've got to do is get the border to the mainland open. This is the mainland where, like Hong Kong, the level of vaccination is stupendously low in single digits. What is the logic of that other than the political imperative of making sure that the mainland and and Hong Kong are at all times physically connected. I have to say that that if you speak to anybody in the medical profession about this, they just scratch their heads and they say, what on earth is the urgency about opening the border to the mainland when all other restrictions are so tight? If there was a general relaxation, you might say, "Well, we'll relax that as well. But there isn't. All right, Steve, it's PS time. Let's have, let's have our final movement. Can we do a PS? There's a very interesting um, article, which... Um, uh, well, can I just do a very short PS, which is um, Hong Kong Tourism Board have spent $2 million on producing a two-minute oh, animated... Um, it was more than that, wasn't it? Uh, 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 it was nine... I don't think you could... Dignified. Yeah. $9 million on an on a animated cartoon clip for a, um, a, a virtual depiction of Hong Kong's mm. countdown the, the new year. If, if we've got any super-duper film creators listening, tell us no. how you could spend... Please tell us how that would break down to do a two-minute I mean, Morning Brew, each episode is about 10, 10, 10 million, isn't it? Is that what it costs? Ru- rupees. <laughs> 10 rupees, yeah. <laughs> I'm dead curious about this from a technical point of view. How can a two? How? What? Where is it? You know what I'm saying? There's only so many flashy computer editing programs. Well, you, you actually know more about the technical stuff than I do, and I, I, I don't think I'm I'm displaying my ignorance by saying I just can't imagine how you could spend that amount of money. I'm curious, actually. but hey, it's other folks' money. The problem is I'm one of those other folks, and the listener is one of those other folks too, because. We're all paying taxes to the, and which goes into the Hong Kong Tourism Board. And of course, this is what you get when you have a system of no checks and balances. Government agencies are just, they're on, you know, they're on, on, a, on a roll. They say, I've got public money, let's dash it around. 
it's it's quite scandalous actually it's not make or break but it is scandalous and it's indicative of what happens when you have a system which just allows the government to do what it wants to do i got an email just now from i believe john yes and it sounds quite interesting so i'd like to read it <coughs> despite your wonderful you know segue out there he's talking about vaccines um so he says a BioNTech vaccine has to be kept at minus 70 Celsius. It was transported in a special flight container on CX Cargo landing February 27th. The vaccine was unloaded at the airport and then transported in a refrigerated vehicle. It was then transported in other vehicles to the vaccination sites. What happens when you fill a bottle with water and put it in the freezer? I would bet the same has happened by freezing the vaccine at too low a temperature, causing the vials to crack and the rubber caps to move due to the expansion of the vaccine inside the vials caused by incorrect storage, temperature, overfilling of the vials. Um, he says, OK, now I have solved the problem. Can the government pay me a 10 million Hong Kong dollars consultation fee? I think we'll give him that, don't you? Well, has he spent more than two minutes? <laughs> nice one. Thank you, John. Thank you, Steve. We'll do it all again next Can week. I just correct him on one thing? Um, the, the, the problem isn't the vial itself. It's just the cap. So can I have two million for pointing that out? Yeah, you can have two million too. See you later.